We meet today in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 10. Actually, this chapter gives the best course to follow for the moralist, the moral man, the do-gooder, the man who wants to live a good life and wants to go down the middle of the road. Neither hot nor cold, neither right nor left. In the first six verses of this chapter, Solomon emphasizes man's ignorance about the future. The phrase, you do not know, occurs no less than four times. Actually, we see it in verse 2, in verse 5, and in verse 6. Although man cannot understand and comprehend God's work, nor can he predict success, he needs to be involved in life's activities and trust God for the results. I could also say, at last, the teacher is approaching the climax of his book. We cannot see God's whole plan, and there is nothing in this world that we can build on so as to find satisfaction or the key to the meaning of things. Yet we are to fulfill God's purpose by accepting our daily lot in life as from Him and by thus pleasing Him make each day a good day. But how can we please Him when there is so much we cannot understand? The teacher has already shown that certain things stand out as right or wrong and a sensible conscience will see these things as an indication of what God desires. This section gives further wise advice in the light of uncertain future. We must use common sense in sensible planning and in eliminating as many of the uncertainties that we experience in life as much as we can. Dr. McGee refers to something that he calls sanctified common sense. Sanctified common sense should also come. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. In other words, don't be afraid of doing good. Although the reward may be late in arriving, be like the merchant who uses his capital for trade, including trade across the seas. Be sensible and do not gamble everything on one venture. In other words, on many waters, don't put, we have a saying that says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Give a serving to seven and also to eight. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 2 When you are doing good, be sure to help more than one person. That is the thought expressed by that verse. Help quite a few people because you may get in trouble yourself at some later time and there will be many people who will be willing to help you. Actually, the Lord Jesus Christ told a parable along this same line of thought, and it is recorded in Luke chapter 16. There was an unjust steward 
who was really a crook, so to say. He made friends for himself by reducing their debts to his masters, so that when he lost his job, he could go to them for help. We also learn an important lesson here, that we need to bring many people into God's kingdom. That is a wise way of looking at life. Instead of simply thinking that the blessings that we have are simply for us, why don't we use the evil mammon of the world to bring people into the kingdom of God? If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, they it shall lie. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 3. Now, this talks about the fact that we are bound to recognize the God-given laws of nature. But we cannot always focus how they will operate. We often have to act before we can foresee all we would like to know about that future. And so we are told here, if rain is predicted, you had better carry an umbrella. A big redwood tree falls, it is hard to move and remove it from where it is. So what is he saying here? In other words, it is best to have a clear understanding of a situation at the very beginning before you launch a venture. Because after it begins, it is very hard to make any changes. Things like this apply even to the question of marriage. Young people would simply rush into marriage. They meet some girl or the girl has met this man and they decided right there, we want to get married. They get in, they have not considered the cost, they have not considered the implications of the big hole of making such a commitment. And after a while they discover that they have problems. They have many problems, problems relating to the issues of faith, relating to the way they look at life, and even the past life may not have been explored. Suddenly you are stuck with it. You will decide to say, let me get out of it. The consequences of it are stuck with you. So remember, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall remain. While we acknowledge that God will forgive sin, but the scars of sin will remain with us, my friend. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 14. There is great wisdom in this verse, my friend. That is, we are to act wisely in what we do. If a man wants to sow seed, he had better wait until there is no wind. The farmer who waits till he is completely certain of a perfect weather conditions, will never reap anything at all, my friend. If he wants to reap a harvest, he will not begin if rain is now threatening, because rain will threaten him. 
Now, have you rejected business and career opportunities? Because like the person who observes the wind, you will not sow. Or who regards the clouds and will not reap. You have been unwilling to take risks. That's the whole point here. Now, one of the secrets of successful business people is failure. They know that for every major enterprise that is successful, scores of others have failed. Yet they are willing to risk failure over and over again if it is necessary in order to find the winning combination. This is in complete contrast to the people who try nothing unless it seems to be a sure thing. Isn't that interesting? What is the teacher here encouraging us to do, my friend? We are being encouraged here to take risks and not simply say, I want to be completely sure. Someone has said that uh, risk-taking is the real stuff that makes real men. Actually, it is said of uh, the inventor Thomas Edison that he spent more than $40,000 in nearly a thousand fruitless experiments before on October 21, 1879 until he crafted that lamp that could burn for more than 40 hours. His ultimate success was preceded by an incredible string of failures. But from every failure, he learned something, new knowledge that eventually taught him not only what not to do, but also what to do to achieve his goal. We have the statement, try, try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. But as you are trying, learn from your past mistakes. Ecclesiastes here is a reminder to the person who is unwilling to take risks that you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Which is actually said in verse 5 of this particular chapter. In a universe governed by a personal, sovereign God, there is no sure thing except that the Lord's own plans and promises will take place. Therefore, those who wait for certainty before they act may wait forever. Better to sow and reap when you can, trusting God for the results. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with a child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. My friend, life begins in mystery with the baby's conception and prenatal growth and continues with the mystery of the working of God's total plan. You see what you are being told here? No one knows how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with a child. In other words, you do not know how the bones of a fetus grow inside another person. 
but it is God's total plan. A few parents, by the way, understand precisely how a baby is formed, but most follow the rules of common sense for the welfare of the mother and the unborn child. What do they do? Make sure that the mother is well nourished and constant checkups are being made, food for the mother and even food for the child. This is exactly the application that the teacher makes here to the plan of God. Indeed, it illustrates the whole theme of the book. We cannot understand all the ways God works to fulfill his plan, but we can follow God's rules for daily living and thus help bring God's purposes to birth. Spiritual rebirth is again an even greater mystery. Mystery is not only confined to how we are mysteriously fashioned and knitted together in our mother's womb, but we also talk about the spiritual birth. You do not know how the Spirit of God will move. The Lord Jesus said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. John 3 verse 8. You see, there is a great deal that we do not know. But what happens? The truth is, in a mighty, miraculous operation, the Spirit of God transforms our lives and He rebirths us or regenerates us, making us into new creation. But that is a mystery because we do not know exactly how he does it. I believe his point is simply this. Don't let what you don't know disturb what you do know. Because many people get disturbed by what they don't know. Yet what they know is so much. God has revealed to you and me a lot of truths sufficient to come to a relationship with him, a saving relationship. Now, there are things that you do not know. Don't let those disturb what you already know. Now, let me give an example. Any person knows enough to sit on a chair, so to say. There is an empty chair in my study right now. I don't mind getting up and going over there to sit down. Now, there, there are a lot of things I don't know about that chair. I don't know anything about its construction, who made it, or how it was made. But I do know that I can sit in that chair and it will hold me up. That is exactly all I need to know about the chair. I don't want to know even some of the components that made the chair. What is sufficient for me is I can sit on that chair. Therefore, don't let what you don't know disturb what you do not know. In other words, my friend, you know that if you can call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, he will save you. How he will save you, you may not know. But use what you know. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Truly, the light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes 
to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6 to verse 8. By the way, from this point on now, Solomon encourages his readers to live a full and active life, recognizing important facts, and I would like to highlight them. First of all, they need to recognize that death is inevitable. And secondly, that the prospect of God's judgment, both in this life and the life to come, should influence all the activities on the earth. He will talk about that judgment in verse 9. Once again, the exhortation to the enjoyment is put in the imperative mood here. Here the appeal is particularly addressed to the youth, to the youth now, to the young people, to the young person, to admonish him to enjoy life before the onset of the feeble years which are described in chapter 12 verse 1 to 7 have come upon him. The comparison with light in verse 7 speaks of the enjoyment of life. Verse 8 adds a cautionary note to enjoyment that may be summarized in two ideas. There will be many days of darkness, calamitous days, and then all that comes is vanity. Well, that is, joys will not come easily. They must be rested with a puzzling and a futile life. Verse 9 can hardly be taken in a hedonistic sense because the controlling factor in the youth's enjoyment is said to be God's judgment. Rather, it is a warning against a life misspent in self-indulgence. So what does verse 9 say? It says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Another translation, the living translation has put it, for youth with a whole life before it can make serious mistakes. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9 to verse 10. Now my friend, the message here is remember young men. Now is the time to make your decisions in every category of life. It is very important that you make the right choices now. Now, how many men have lived wasted lives and are living them today because they made the wrong choices in their youth? A young man must make good choices. And of course, as Ecclesiastes chapter 12 will talk about, will say, you need to remember your creator in the days of your youth. An important choice for any young person to make is to decide to honor the Lord and fear the Lord and walk in his ways while you are young instead of living a life of regret. Your youthful days are empty if they are not lived right. 
Life is a gift that is given to us by God, given one day at a time. In fact, one second at a time. It is a precious gift and it is to be used for the glory of God. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that is what the next study will be talking about when the psalmist will invite the young person, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before evil days come when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. In fact, that verse begins with the word, now remember your creator. So my friend, remember your creator now. That statement applies to young people, to the old people now, to the adults, wherever they may be, little children, the grandparents, the mothers and the fathers, remember your creator in these days before evil days are set on you. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven. Seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven, followed by seven two six four one four four seven five. From within South Africa, it's zero seven two six four one four four seven five. 